Good evening, everybody. Uh, we're trying something a little different for this episode of the Four Mortal Coils podcast, in that we're really just going to discuss current events and how our lives are going. So this should be a pretty fun ride. Yes. So uh, who wants to who wants to start? Your mother. Stephen, you know? did you did you say something that you had? Uh, you were like, I could talk for however long about something. Oh, I, I oh, said I could right, talk about right. boomers for half an hour. Oh yeah. I mean, please. Okay, no, so uh, what's floating around in the discourse? We've got boomers. <laughs> we've got. <laughs> the I thought, I thought today's episode is on. Is it better to die? Oh right, right, right. Oh, so that... before we actually decided just to talk about whatever for for this episode, the initial idea was to talk about. Is it better to live in misery than uh, than to just die? And uh, we eventually decided not to do that, or at the very least, theoretically, do something else. So it's a little bit everywhere. So is it better to live in? <laughs> we could talk about that, I guess. No, look, look, I'm I'm good. I just I had a bit of difficulty keeping up uh, because y'all are coming in and out audio-wise, but I mean, y'all seem to be cleared up now. Ah, uh, good. I'm glad. Um. Okay, so, I mean, what is this going to be? Like, what just grinds my gears or what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, go for it. He's Talk about life. Right. Yeah, about what's been like, going on. I it's like that. Stop. Let's, enough is enough. Let's, let's run well, that. Well, let's run that. Let's, Each let's, person. Let's run the, the Logan's Run <laughs> storyline. Yeah, Stephen, what's been going on? Look, I've been dealing with cult nonsense for, like, years now and yeah. uh, like i say enough enough should just be enough so i finally i finally did, did a terrible awful sin i went on reddit and found a subreddit uh called boomers being fools and it's like nothing but cringe content and karen content and it's like a guilty pleasure i mean it's bad <laughs> but i'm serious people like I was just talking to my mom about this the other day, and I said, you know, I'm I'm really quick actually to ask myself, Steve, are you being the asshole? Like, mm-hmm. like, are you are you the problem here? And uh, you know, I was telling her I was telling her about that question and uh, how it related to boomers and how like I'm seeing online that so many other people deal with the same kind of people that that I'm talking about, like, and it, you know, and how much it needs to stop. And I don't know. It, it's it's a bit it's a bit uh, um, cathartic's not the right word. Uh, hold on. Pleasurable? No, mm. uh, it doesn't matter. Cathartic, cathartic works fine. You know, it's kind of a worrisome thing, Matt. And that, um, so they, uh, so you characterize them as people that uh, don't uh, question whether or not they're wrong about something for a time, you know, like they don't do that as quick and as early as people that you've met otherwise. But I can't help but worry though, uh, whether or not that says something about boomers or just says something about people when they get that old. And like, what if that's coming for you and I, and also Tanner, but not, not great though. I think that of course there are good people out there that happen to be boomers, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. It'd be a pretty rough statement to defend. Otherwise. And- yeah, I just had a uh, browse over the top posts on 
r slash boomers being fools and man oh my I, God. I can i can easily see how you know this is is something and honestly it's there may be something said about more obviously a lot of this is political um but some of it is just general like mm-hmm to to use a a boomer word tomfoolery yeah no i, <laughs> oh, I use that word all the time dementia donald posts as well and they're like they're they're so funny oh. and oh, uh, but i think maybe there's something more to that though because um an explicitly political example uh that has an overwhelming number of boomers uh, as guests on on it as a medium is the daily shows uh Jordan Klepper fingers the pulse uh series that's been going on for since 2016 uh i mean it's been eight oh my god that's weird to think about eight years that this guy has been going out to the trump rallies to the streets to the any you know sort of conservative rally and interviewing these people who are predominantly older uh people and there's plenty of young people in the videos too um but most of them are older boomer age people and they haven't got a clue <laughs> they no. uh, it's it, it i mean it, it's probably Bad. some of the easiest you know ad revenue or whatever that the daily show has made in the last 10 years is is that series because we for some reason get enjoyment out of seeing people who are clearly deluded but at the same time it's like like i remember in 2016 when these videos first started coming out watching them with my uh you know uh some family or friends or whatever and we were cracking up having a great time uh because at that point nobody thought that trump would actually <laughs> actually get elected to be yeah. president of the united states uh and here we are eight years later and I'm still cracking up over the videos, but they've gotten worse. And uh, it's like, OK, it's been this long, like and What's people are still taking on? this. Exactly. Like, <laughs> when are people going to kind of like Grow turn it around up. or, right, you know, so and so you are fun. Let's all take a big step back and elect someone who knows what they're doing. Huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, you well, get a little bit real... more concerned at this point. <laughs> Well, I, I think the real answer is going to be after this year, after 2024. That'll, this is the ultimate. Yeah. This is the ultimate moment. I think. Uh, I think this is going to be a kind of a pivoting point for uh, for at least the history of the United States. I don't know about the world. Maybe the world, I doubt but it. definitely in terms of the United States. Do you think so? What do you think? Well, I mean, so like every mm. every moment is conceivably a a, a point that defines the, the rest of the moments to follow it. I actually get quite tired of like that talk about how like you know this is going to be a pivotal moment, and I'm not just mocking you, Trevor. I, I promise. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would let you know if I was mocking you. If I had but... a, a nickel for every time in the last 16 years, I've like heard like you've got to vote this year. It's really important. You've got to That's vote this saying. year. This is the big one. That's what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is like life is is about to continue. Life is about to go on past the 2024 election, just like it did past the 2016 election, just like it did past the 2020 election. I, you know, like people people get so caught up in this stuff, and, and you know, this is why we end up with the, these career politicians. I mean, people vote them in. 
I mean, you know, they, right. they, they, they get so far up these people's asses, it's not funny. Mm. And uh, it, it quit being funny years and years before we were born. And, and you know, you know it, it, what I'm trying to say is, like, every moment could be considered pivotal. Right. Especially when tensions are, are quite as high as they are. You know, no, you know, you're absolutely correct in that this is just this is gonna be annoying. It is just an abstraction. Uh, truly, it is. But I do think it is a useful abstraction given uh, certain opportune moments. That is to say, a decision made here at this point in history could be considered um, a moment which defines the following couple of centuries. Uh, you know, I think I think there can be it can be valuable uh, something that we do as humans. It can be valuable to evaluate reality according to these means. Uh, that is to say, in views of pivotal moments, a pivotal, a pivotal uh, compared to other moments that precede or follow. You know, like, um, like for example, uh, decisions made that eventually led to the creation of uh, the United States. Uh, that's a more pivotal moment than my decision to get a milkshake this morning. That sort of thing. Uh, now, you know, we might talk about like the butterfly effect or something like that. I feel like that's a conversation on the horizon at this particular. Uh, thought, but uh, I do think it is valuable to evaluate reality according to those means. Now, uh, the connection to like these career politicians and that sort of thing—that's uh, its own conversation too. Mm. Yeah. What, what I'm what I'm trying to say, Trevor, is that uh, not not to give the Bible any kind of credit, but like there there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, that's mm-hmm. ultimately what I mean. There, there's nothing. Like, don't get me wrong, we're we're developing new things all the time, but I'm talking about the way that we kind of interact with stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the way we interact with the world is changing, but like perhaps the meaning of it, it hasn't changed. And and you know, it's it's just like the good man said. I mean, you know, our our brains are too small, our, our adrenal glands are too big. And, and so on, and, and they're going to continue to be too small and too big, respectively. Yeah. And so we're going to continue to act out like children. You know, to support with that, what you just said now, I, I can't help but think of like a wavelength, like looking at a um, like a signal, let's say, and like a like a brain scan, or just just think of a wavelength and sound. You know, if you look at it really up close, it looks like this. You know, it like it's all this change happening all the time. But if you back away from the wave. If you go all the way back and look at it from a series of like millions of years, suddenly it becomes a very still line, and there truly is nothing new under the sun. Um, well, you know what I prefer to call it, and what other people I've like heard people talk about is it's like steady state. Mm. You know, like like something's always tugging you one way, and something else always talk, tugging you another way, and so you mm. stay kind of in the middle. And you're and you're absolutely right. If you zoom in all the way. There are lots of this noise, lots of variation, but if you back away from it, those, those, you know, it kind of cancels out. Yeah, well, and it's really climate change isn't real. Thanks, right. Tanner. I can't help but I can't help but um uh, think of how all of this. Uh, we've got Tanner giggling. I, I can't help but uh, wonder how much this has to do and how much it's reliant upon ourselves. So this comes up to like last episode, but. I can't help but think about how um, it's everything is new under the sun in so far that I see things in terms of everything being uh, new or, or like not new under the sun. And I see change in so far as I'm looking for change. You know, like I, I think uh, here's one axiom I like to think of or one general way of uh, viewing reality. Uh, every axiom has some degree of value. 
That is to say that if I list out a statement, I can scaffold and lead myself to making the, uh, and get to the statement in such a way that it has value. You can evaluate reality according to those means. So I could tell you that all humans are fundamentally violent, uh, evil things. And then I can go around and then I could find um, uh, fundamental things about the acts of humanity to then support that assertion. Uh, I can lead myself to that point. And I could also talk about like, life is fundamentally redeemable and worthwhile. Or better yet, I could talk about how fundamentally life is a misery and how we should all be anti-natalists or something. That is to say that fundamentally none of us should reproduce. I hate that term. Oh, yeah? Oh, mm-hmm. man, you should be you should be on our community. Wanna... That's been an ongoing conversation. I, I know. I've, I've, I've <laughs> stepped. So, so like, not, not trying to be mean or anything for those who watch, but, like, uh, the other day I started talking to an individual. I just stopped. I mean... There's no point. There's no point in continuing on, and that was like the only interaction I've had all week. And and like that's why I, that's why I don't get on the Discord quite quite as often as I would like to, is because you know I'll be busy with my job, and I want to seek common ground with somebody. And so like you know even though it sounds like I'm advocating for people listening not to join the Discord, I'm actually wanting you to join the Discord. We need we need other people to talk to. We need you know fresher perspectives. We need. We, we've you know, been having the same five conversations for four years. We, yeah, yeah, we I mean, got to that you know, point. Like I, like I used the, I used the term bad science the other day, and someone took offense to that. I just don't care. If you, if you don't, if you don't know what bad science is, then, <laughs> then there's no conversation to be had. Like you're, you and I are not on the same, <laughs> on the same wavelength. That we just need to, we need to back up and continue on. In other words, mm, and this so it's is like a cover. Right, right. This is a conversation I was actually talking, I think, either with my mom or somebody else about is sort of the way that um, discourse is um, today, historically, sort of overall. Um, But, you know, for the United States, one of the most important uh, founding principles was that the, the citizens were looked at uh, to be relied upon to talk about issues and discover what was truly best for the country and its people and stuff. And so it was an expectation sort of that there would be the, you know, the marketplace of ideas and people would be like in a, uh, you know, a Greek forum kind of deal. And people are just talking about issues and talking about, you know, what's good, what's bad, what, how can we solve these problems in using reason as a, as a tool, as, as the, the best weapon that we had for navigating these sort of uh, issues. Um, and I don't remember exactly what prompted it, but uh, I was talking about uh, some various examples of people who had been led astray from, from reason. And I remember bringing it up like, sort of the intertwinedness of conservative politics and, uh, you know, uh, what's the word that we use? Evangelicalism or evangelism um, and sort of the, you know, how people, I describe it as people who go to their weekly echo chamber meeting, uh, which can be said about any anything. This could be considered a weekly echo chamber meeting. Um, mm-hmm. But it's sort of the idea that, uh, you know, we 
as opposed to encourage each other to talk to new people and get new perspectives constantly and sort of defend uh, your positions or your reasons for believing something. Whereas if you are part of something like a um, like a religious organization, uh, a very particular evangelicalism here in the United States, uh, the sort of modus operandi is very much not to uh, seek out other perspectives or, or engage with other people. And I think that's a lot of the reason that we had a lot of trouble um, back in the uh, philosophy club days is just because people who were already within that particular kind of worldview and belief system didn't need to go talk to anybody else um, or really go out, I'll put it this way, go out of their way to seek out um, new people um, you know, if they had like a a booth or something set up and they were selling cookies and you went up and talked to them about something, then they would probably be happy to oblige you. But we got far fewer people like actually coming out and seeking out this club that was like, hey, we're talking about everything. We're talking about God. We're talking about all ethical implications of, of things like that. Well, and I know that so that like, was... Real quick, yeah. Ray, like, I think it's important to suggest that uh, we four here are more alike than we are different. I mean, any anybody, you know, anybody could see that. But I I don't think that this is an echo chamber. I think that I think that there's a part of an echo chamber that we don't have. Where like if I say something, um, if I say something not in perfect step with you three, I, I'm not necessarily accosted for it mm -hmm. or you know or, or like there's no there's no pressure to conform so to speak i, I right. think i think those parts make it specifically not an echo chamber and and i think, I think make it special i think personally we also have differing enough opinions on various topics that we really can't be considered an echo chamber anyway how how fucking dare you steven i mean you that that opinion i you really got to work on that man God, I, I don't know, but I feel like God's a little... He, he likes you less for having thought that. There, there is a room you can go to. Stephen, quite... I'm going to pray for you. You're going to have to go to the dark room. There's no lights in line. or windows. <laughs> you get in line. Yeah, get in line. No, well, like, and that, so, yeah, go ahead. I mean, you guys get what I'm saying, though. Like, Sure. Yeah. I, I've had that thought about this group before as well. Like, good Lord, like, you know, it's looking more and more like we're an echo chamber. And then I have to tell myself, well, not really. Uh, almost every topic that we've done so far that I've thought to myself, oh, we're all going to share an opinion about that. We got in here and talked about stuff, and it was, you know, quite stimulating. So, I mean, that's good. Mm. There's also no expectation or um, innate acknowledgement that any one of us, uh, or even the combined four of us on a particular issue, that our word is law you know no. uh, that we have to be right by virtue of saying it or something like that you know that, that'd be nonsensical uh, so there's that but that yeah leads me no, to a good question I'm... yeah go for it's it it's a question that was proposed by actually one of my students um talking about being in an echo chamber made me think of it and the question was are we that different than our parents and grandparents kind of ties us back into the uh the boomer talk <laughs> a little bit as well like um are we are we that different than 
than the cursed boomers, you know. I, mm. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, Trevor, you were trying to ask about this earlier, and I actually kind of wanted mm. to talk about it. Like, are we that different? Well, well this is really difficult because I mean, generationally. Uh, yeah, um, Tanner, it sounds like you got something. Well, I mean, generationally speaking, um, that particular generation of people, which silly concept already dividing people up by by when they were it's born arbitrary. and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, it's completely arbitrary. They, they, I will say, did live through a particularly different era in American society than we have. They inherited the post-World War II like massive booming American economy. We were pretty much the only world power to not suffer massive damage after that whole fiasco in Europe. So we exploded. Our economy exploded. Our GDP exploded. They basically had the world handed to them. They inherited probably the strongest economy to ever grace the face of this planet. The best education like system to ever grace this planet. And they had this massive, massive, like, sentiment of uh, independence instilled in them, psychologically, fundamentally, because they had the means to support, you know, being that level of independent. Right? Hmm. So we are definitely generationally different because we inherited the aftermath of all of that. We we are going through the downward slope of what they were experiencing. I mean, it, it's probably non-feasible for most Americans to ever afford a house. I mean, you could fucking buy a house in what 58 for i don't know what 10 grand and you were making what eight grand a, a year i mean you know it's it's a much different time it was a, obviously yeah, right. they had a more independent spirit they could they could afford to have that self-centered narcissistic world view they, they had all the means to act. have it you know? and they act like it if that that's just that's fundamentally generationally something just imbued in them that's what they've always experienced so having that worldview challenge now what we all have to actually you know pitch in and share i mean look at the generation before them the the the, the greatest generation the people who you know went through the great depression the people who built the american union culture are are uh are uh fdrs are huey longs like these massive champion populists of the people who basically preached we have to help each other if we are going to you know get through all of this if we're going to be a country we have to work together so it's we just amazing to me how COVID. That, yeah it's just amazing to me how that sentiment was just like totally lost on the next generation and it's an interesting thing to say for first of all it's like you know we're coming down off of off of the high of the latter 20th century um which as somebody who loves tons of cultural landmarks from the latter 20th century, I completely understand. <laughs> there's, a, there's a particular reason the, the peak of human civilization, a la The Matrix, is 1999. <laughs> yeah. um, it is something to say, though, that a lot of the... Uh, um, a lot of things I hear from the children of the greatest generation uh is very much like well you know i or at least the conservative side is very much a well i worked for everything i got you picked yourself up by your bootstraps and quit giving yeah, those and government that, handouts 
And that worked. I mean, sure, yeah, it was a much different world. You didn't need to be to be skilled to like pick up a trade. You can just apprentice. You could just show up. Tanner, I, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you or anything, but it, and I'm not trying to sound too left here. Like, what I mean by that is, I can imagine that if anyone like watched through my um, uh, clips here on TikTok or or watched through the whole videos on here. They might think I'm actually incredibly left, and that's just simply not the case. But not to sound too left, but that shit only worked if you were, you know, uh, heterosexual, for example. I mean, like, so, so Tanner, I, I only bring this up because I hear it so often that, oh, yeah, that worked for them. No, no, the fuck it didn't, actually, though. <laughs> like, no it, no, it didn't. It only worked if you were heterosexual. It only really helped you if you were white. I mean, you know, it just, in their generation, they were racist and homophobic and meant to be. And meant to that do it. That is true. And, and of course, we're, we're well, talking about America. You know, we, I can't speak to other geographies. Stephen, it, it was easier to lift oneself out of poverty 80 years ago than it is now. They had a greater means to themselves to to support themselves. So, yeah, and and what mm-hmm. I'm suggesting is that it was only easier if you were these predetermined arbitrary characteristics. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it was a much. I mean, this was back during Jim Crow. I mean, for goodness' sake. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, like what I'm trying to say is, we mm-hmm. still have people living among us who who happily put those laws into place. Yes, and, we um, have people living among we, us, leading this country, who were educated yeah. by educators born in the 19th century, yep. Yep. which so, is outrageous. So to and give one a, more point on that, these are, mm-hmm. yeah, Trevor, I just wanted to plug this in here. It's like, this is the same pool that makes up the vast majority of the voting lot who are are yearning to go back to a time when America was as they say, great, or, you know, they yearn to make America great again, which any any person with two brain cells would immediately respond with, well, when was America great in the sense, and a lot of these people are talking about exactly that time, back when, you know, it, I suppose they were growing up, um, and the situation was great for straight white people that, uh, you know, <laughs> didn't have any other issues going on. Uh, but it, you know, obviously fails to account for literally everybody else. Um, yeah, so, sure, sorry. I just wanted to point. Sure. Uh, so, so one of the things I think about when we reach this uh, point in this discussion, talking about like the state of American affairs and that sort of thing, um, I, I like to point out, and this isn't just an American thing, but this is just a, just a existence thing. That is to say human existence up until this point, we are way better off in, if you look at it from a, that sort of grand generalization of, of taking in what Stephen and, and, and Bray have accounted for here and, and also Tanner, which you brought up as well, we are doing, in that respect, way better than our grandparents were doing. And their grandparents were doing astronomically better than themselves as well. Uh, I, I do Absolutely. think we're doing – I do think uh, there's reason to be an optimist uh, in, in the way that society goes. I, I do think we are doing a lot better than our – our forefathers were doing, or four. Yeah, we are. Four we are certainly more educated. 
And, and I think that's true not just for uh, the existence here now in the United States. I think that's true for all of humanity through time. And I think the reason why we look back and we see these huge, just, just gaping uh, caveats and, and problems with the American society up until this point is because we have aspirations, you know. Uh, like, Bray, you have aspirations. I just heard them. You had a particular idealization of what actually makes what would have made America great. And you see the things that are counter to that overall approximation of what it is that you desire. And just like that, no wonder you don't see America up to this point as beautiful, because that's just not uh, you. You need to have goals. You know, I mean, you're a human person in society right. today. You, you as your bare existence have to have some sort of aspiration. And I can tell you right now, um, there will come a time of that. Uh, call me an optimist. There will be a time where a lot of the problems that you and I currently surmise as, as fundamental to, a, to an American in the early 21st century will be no more. I don't know when it'll happen, but I, if I'm just listening to them out, I mean like uh, racial divides, that sort of thing, uh, or, or huge uh, discrepancies here, 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 there. I do think just to the fact that time is quite a long fucking thing, uh, that problems will get resolved. But uh, when we reach that moment, at the end of the day, where the book closes, uh, and, and all of a sudden everyone is this one particular hue of brown, or however it ends up, you know, I think they're also going to have their own problems. That is to say, they're going to have an idealization of what they of what it is that they want out of their society. That'll be a very different story from ourselves, and it'll lead on to something else. That is to say, the reason why I bring up all of this. That is to say, that if you look for greatness, greatness will be found. I mean, think of uh, just the thing with uh, Thomas Jefferson and the way that he resolved um, the whole thing with the Barbary pirates. Or basically, he said, like, hey, we're, the, we're, an, we're, not a, we're a secular nation. We don't, we're not a Christian nation. Why do you still attack us? That was a beautiful sentiment. And, like, after that, he, like, blew them all to hell because they were, like, you know, fucking pirates. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, he had slaves, you know? Where you look for greatness, you will find greatness. Where you look for absolute, unbelievable horror, uh, you will find it due to the fact that this is just time for sure. and space. And this is just the way that it works. So if you want to say America was never great, you're absolutely correct in saying that it was never great. And you're also correct, as strange as it sounds, when you look for greatness, it will, it waits for you around the corner. And, and that's one of the strange things about these conversations, because I want to touch upon what is truly in all conversations. I want to believe just like that one thing that you mentioned just the other day with Matt Dillahunty. You know, I want to believe as many true things as possible, that sort of thing. With that sentiment in mind, that goalpost put in the ground, I can't quite say that America was never um, great per se, but I also can't say that it was ever, it was ever great at the same time. It's the strange contra uh, interaction here. Because uh, if I have my ideal, ideal society in my mind, then America has never reached it. But at the same time, I can't say that it never did something that was beautiful and worthwhile. You know, And, and that's just one of those strange yeah, things course. about this conversation. Because I can't quite breach into it. And that's sort of um, with all of these thoughts in mind, of, uh, this frame of reference of seeing society as this thing that was never great. And at the same time, I can't so, see it as So real, real quick. It's really difficult. Trevor, so... so... The, the idea that I'm having trouble with here, though, is that we can, uh, under, under the way that you're thinking, we can recognize that something is bad, talk mm -hmm. it out, but then perhaps we're supposed to do nothing about it. Um, mm. What I mean to say is that even, you know, even if we just have that simple conversation of, am I the asshole? You know, we've do, we've done a lot of good work. Uh, you know what I mean? We, we've mm -hmm. thought about it. 
what I mean to say is if we're all recognizing similar problems, there's a lot of merit in trying to solve them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I do think there's a good deal of optimism ahead. Like there's good cause for mm-hmm. optimism ahead, rather. I really think that, I really think that as time goes on, uh, people are going to become more acceptable, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in general. Or yeah, at least I, I mean, look at, look at the last 60 years of American society. I mean, the abolishment you know, of Jim Crow, mm-hmm. the, the acceptance of homosexuality, at least mm-hmm. federally, mm-hmm. and by the average person. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Made, it's, coming, it's coming down the line. Come down the line, and, and look, look. I see it. I see it all the time. My students. I see it all the time with my students. They're they're younger than me, only by you know maybe ten years, and they they are so much more accepting than anyone was when I was their age. Right. And uh, there's there's a lot of room for optimism, but that does not mean that these people get to ruin it shit on their <laughs> way out. That's the, like, I mean, enough <laughs> is enough. Like I say. <laughs> You know these these uh these boomers we keep electing to office. And by the way, we keep tossing around terms like boomer. Of course, dear listener, you should interpret this as being hyperbolic. Uh, like like we just agreed upon me and Tanner, the the word boomer is actually entirely arbitrary. I mean, it's just like oh yeah, if you were born in this segment of time, you're a boomer. Uh, miss me with that crap. What I'm really what I'm really <laughs> after is do you are you okay with people minding their own business? Okay, if you're not, you need to get, you need to leave. Mm. <laughs> you need to get out of the way, <laughs> you know. And and like like that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. Uh, we've got too many of these say, people yeah. in federal office that just you know keep on going and going and going, and they're getting older yeah. and older. <laughs> I think I think that's really I think that's the overall issue that we're touching on right now. And I think this reason I'm sure there are many others, myriad reasons, but I think one of the main reasons, Stephen, that you feel this way is due to the uh, uh, kleptocracy, the situation that we're currently dealing with as a, as a society in the United States. I think what happens is we're currently encountering an issue, uh, that is to say this kleptocracy moment where it's just full of old people, whether you see it in the House of Representatives, Congress especially, and then you see it in the presidential candidacy of the two oldest candidates, old as dirt, as I'm sure Stephen would say himself, uh, old as dirt uh, presidential candidates, you know. I think not, not I think fit. we've encountered a central a central problem, mm. and and yeah exactly and and I think we've encountered a central problem here in the United States. This is the central one of the central issues uh, for Americans today that I think all Americans are gravely aware of. Uh, they can try to ignore it if they want, but they don't do very well. Uh, the fact that our two candidates are fucking old as dirt, and I think that's they the reason why we have absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nothing in common with the average American voter yes. base. Well, certainly not with uh, not with Tanner or me, you know. And 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 the reason why I bring all this up, the reason why I want to touch oh, on this no, explicitly. So, so Trevor, I will I will I will interrupt you just a little bit there. I I think they've lost lost touch with reality. Like I I'll go one step farther mm. than Tanner. It's not that they just can't relate to me, this young hip dude. That's not what I'm talking about. They've lost touch. <laughs> they, they they don't know where they yes. are. Neither Am one I of them. I, no, I mean, like, have you seen the state of Pelosi? I mean, she yeah. like, have you seen the state that is uh, what's what's the old turtle looking motherfucker? Um, oh, Mitch McConnell. Mitch, yeah, Mitch McConnell. Ooh, yes. Like, I those mean, are they they, they look around like, where are my handlers? 
I, I mean, like enough is enough. I mean, like it's not that it's not that they it just can't relate parties. to me. Yeah, I, they can't relate to reality. They can't. Yes, yes. So, so I think what I happens know, is I, 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 for everything I dislike about him, I will say I do greatly respect Mitt Romney for for stepping leaving. down the way he did. I mm-hmm. He was like, "I'm Why? too old," and then he oh, left. Sure. Yeah. I will say that, that is a well, family fighting the cartels in Mexico, but that's something. Well, and I'm trying before, to say all these people are evil. They, they don't deserve a new spectator. Before Trevor, I know Trevor's trying to get a point, but I think the, 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 the really sad part about why Mitt Romney, or you could even say Chris Christie, because he did this exact same thing. The really sad thing is that they are doing what, like the, the bar has been pushed so far. To where mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, well, this person's calling out bad behavior and that needs like glorious praise because that is literally like the best we can do. <laughs> well, so many right. it, it, it's embarrassing. But but yeah, I'm, it, yeah, please, Trevor. Yeah, I, I was going to say to all of this is I think this is a serious issue that we have today in the United States. I mean, all four of us just said, just said something about it. And and I think uh, the reason the reason why Stephen feels the way he feels about boomers generally is is due to this uh, fact or or thing that we're currently encountering and encountering very harshly as in, here in the United States this kleptocracy uh, this kleptocracy moment. And the reason why I bring all this up is uh, if we weren't having this moment, if this wasn't something we were currently evaluating and trying to encounter, I feel like um, we would evaluate you know like boomers uh, differently if you wanted to if you really wanted to you could also see them as the generation that saw an end to the soviet union and the cold war and that sort of thing and that's that's no small feat and that's no small thing it really well, varies how, how, uh, how does that mm. that old copy pasta go you uh you you millennials have never spent one day under the threat of nuclear annihilation you mm. well we certainly are now <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I'm more worried about being able to afford a house or where I'm going to get yeah, the money for yeah. my next, you know, <laughs> a little it's bit more imminent danger. No, mm. so Trevor, look, um, I'm going to say this, and this is getting a little too personal, but I don't mind. Um, it, it's it's the way it's the way I talk about my my own grandparents who are evil. Uh, they are unrepentantly evil. Um, one day they will die. Mm-hmm. I will remember the good times, and then they will be gone forever. And I mean that. Um, the good times are, you know, far and few between. But I'll try my best to remember them. Mm. So, like, when it comes to the boomer at large, you know, <laughs> I mean, okay, so, like, <laughs> I get it. I get that they went through their times of hardship. But why? why, why is it that we can't? struggle why can't why can't we have a turn you know i mean it's time Mm. it's just that time right is it fair to divert the trolley (laughs) now that it's uh you know killed so many people (laughs) is it fair to the people who've already died to divert the trolley now Mm. i mean it, it really does strike one as the gambler's fallacy what these boomers are trying to do on their way out, it's like, oh, well, you know, we actually need to commit harder and faster and stronger to all these things that we just need to commit, and then we'll it, see it through. It's like the Monty Hall problem, 
but instead of like a car and then like two goats, it, it's just like three guys with like a forty-five pointed at your face. It's it's just also I mean, very bizarre to live, you know, knowing that this is my only life, and you know, every day I grow closer to death, and the fact that people who are well on their way out of a natural life are making decisions that are going to affect the rest of my life for which the bulk of, you know, the bulk of which they will not even be present for. People uh, who still call it the Google. Yeah, I'm being legislated by people who grew up in a completely different, you know, like, atmosphere who, 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 and problem. Who, who frankly don't know what they're talking about. Right, like, uh, <laughs> like, look, no, you have to look no further than some of these, um, uh, congressional hearings where they pull in people from tech and ask them yeah. questions and have, and no, have idea. no idea. They, they uh, are not well advised whatsoever. And oh, while, it, it, yeah, it's it's definitely possible that tech companies are you know up to some whatever no good behind closed doors. But if you can't even ask the right questions, what are we doing? You know, uh, so. And then the, the idea of career politicians and people who are just sitting in there forever collecting a check to essentially just take money from people. And I don't know. It's Well, let me, let me ask you a question, Greg. Let me ask you a question. So there are 538 members of Congress, right? There, there's 435, 438 from... Uh, no, excuse me, 437 from the house and there's uh no there's only one representative for washington dc that's for, right yes and there's two mm. and there's two senators and i think anyway it doesn't matter there, there there's like 530 people in congress how many of them in 10 do you think could answer any relevant question about covid19 while they were passing legislation about that, that disease mm-hmm I mean that that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at here. When I say that they know nothing, I mean it. They know nothing. That they know exactly zero things. And yeah. um, that they have they have scooted by completely on charisma to get mm-hmm. them where they are, but they know nothing. They're that not I well can advised. agree with. Um, yeah. and, you know, if you even just take a glancing look at a lot of grassroots, well, I say grassroots, and I'm not trying to dog on any sort of, I, I think grassroots is admirable, and that may not be the term that I'm looking for. Um, for example, like Bernie Sanders running a campaign, not taking any money from some big organization and just working strictly on, you know, people's donations. I think that's great. I think anybody should do that because it's it, it further makes transparent the connection between a voter and their their representative i don't feel like the person that you know like bernie sanders is being bought out by big whatever or or anything like that so to speak um but i just looking at anybody who can (laughs) run for office it feels like so many people just think, oh well, I'm I'm charismatic, so I'm going to run for office and then go from there. It's like I would, There's I'd no love plan. to see more people who, you know, like a if someone in the field of medicine who actually cares oh, about the well-being yeah. of people, uh, you know, running for office and they want to go pass something on healthcare or people who 
scientists well, or, or, or something. I'll say something. I'll say something rather quaint. Uh, can we have an atheist in office? The answer. Mm. <laughs> not yet. Um, there so, is that. So, and, I'm, so, and I'm not. I'm not saying that being an atheist should be a prerequisite to running for office by no stretch of the imagination. I'm saying that we should really critically examine the reason why we we like will refuse to elect one. I mean, mm-hmm. if you can if you can put a single word label by anybody and then say, oh, they could never get elected for for office, we should probably think about why that is. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. So, mm-hmm. so one of the things that's really messed up about our current political system, something that I really don't like, is uh, the idea of a career politician. Uh, so one of the things that we're dealing with right now are very old career politicians. People have been politicians since forever, and they're still politicians. Since before we were born. So, since we're before we were born, by a long shot. So, so one of the things that uh, that did occur at one point in time is the idea that. So, let me talk about academia for a second. So, so whenever somebody uh, becomes like a professor, let's say somebody like uh, in like uh, look at the career of medicine, they spent their entire lives as a radiologist or something. They'll before they retire, they'll get a job for a decade or two working as a professor at a like a big university and show people, hey, I spent thirty, forty years working as a radiologist and helping people learn about the brain and i i can tell you a stroke from from 10 miles away on like an like a mri scan i could see it from 10 miles out i know exactly what it is i can tell you exactly what it is and there are people i work with that are like that they can see a scan they worked they worked as a doctor for a very long time they can see a single like like uh like single coronal scan of an MRI and go that right there is a something 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 infarction and it is happens within this person probably has PSP or something like like it, See, it can be really precise. Man. Say what? This fellow thought about an apple. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not that good. But uh, anyway, uh, the reason I bring this up is it's that type of person that would eventually become a professor and go on and do their thing and teach something and say like, hey, I know something. You don't you don't necessarily want someone uh, as a career professor who teaches people like like graduate school level learning skills that has had no experience in the field. And for the, in the same lens, for the same reason, I don't think a politician that works in like the agricultural subsection of government should be anyone except for a person that has, has had 30 years of experience working in agriculture. You know what I mean? But the same reason, I don't okay, want somebody so working uh, to like legislate tech unless they've had a couple decades of experience working in that sort of uh, in that sort of environment. Otherwise, it's just mm-hmm. lawyers, and that's what most uh, career politicians were before they became politicians. They had a lot of charisma, and they got a degree in like law, and that's usually what a lot of politicians are today—just lawyers who then use their charisma to get elected. So, so here's here's one of the things that I would say about that. Um, usually speaking, the career professional, the skilled professional that becomes a teacher at a university, they have to, they, there is always some kind of program, at least on paper, to provide evidence why those people have continued their own education. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. So, like, how do we, how do we vet politicians who do not keep up with current events. We vote them out. Yeah, we don't but elect that, them. But that's not happening. Right. <laughs> that's the problem. Is it, you know, like, you know, it brings up, it really smacks of the, uh, the that group of Chinese people or, or Japanese people, I can't quite remember which country it comes from, but there there's like this strata of people, 
I think in China, who are like refusing to marry, refusing to have kids, refusing to own property, refusing to work jobs, that sort of thing. They're like totally just like I quit because oh, none of my yeah, interests that's, that's are China. Are, that is. are being represented. Yeah, and so like we're kind of we're kind of quiet quitting on life. A lot of us. Mm. Um, yeah. There's an epidemic of apathy. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, out, out of all the friends I have, um, I only know one couple with a kid. Mm. That's it. You know, that are that are my age and like my, you know, out of the, out of the five or so, um, well, I guess not. Uh, let's let's say let's say out of the five or so couples I know about, um, one of them one of them my age has a kid. I'm talking about the people I, I interact with weekly. I only, mm. I'm only concerning myself with them. Um, just one. Mm. Yeah, you know, well, we even need to like be more engaged. Me, like, how could I even? How could I even consider? How 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 could I procreation at a time like this? But yeah, <laughs> like you, I, 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 you I three, you... but like I want kids very badly. I've wanted kids for a long time now, and I thought I thought I had the right person to do that with, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And so, like, here we are, but. At the same time, someone working my job uh, in my parents' generation could have could have afforded it. I think if you if you take a very good look at uh, like voting statistics for national elections and how people actually turn out to vote, you'll get a pretty good sense of how many people give a shit and how many don't. Mm. Just refusing to participate in the the most basic civic system granted to you by your civil rights, right? Right. I I work, you know, I've worked at a restaurant for ten years and have seen numerous people roughly my age come in and work the same exact position that I have for the last ten years, uh, and almost all of them. I mean, just thinking off the top of my head, there might be a couple that I know for a fact vote. And that's not even like saying anything about whether they vote in every election possible. They uh, just vote, at, in, you know. They might vote point. presidential yeah. election and then screw everything else or the even. Ones. Right. Um, but most of them are just completely apathetic about the entire process. Um, they either think that what they do will not affect them uh, in any measurable way, I guess. Uh, of course, until it does. And then they, you know, are sitting there with their uh, hands tied wondering Come what... Up their ass. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or they think that their vote doesn't matter uh, at all, which is just a, it's just a tale as old as time, really. Uh but it, it's really disheartening. And I think about all of the different things that affect these people um, that I can see um, just because I'm very proactive about exploring these sort of things. And I, I, I wonder how to get people more concerned about <laughs> really what comes down to their own well-being mm. uh, and, and taking care of themselves. And, and I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, like, what can we do at this point? Um, well, well, Bray. I mean, maybe, maybe we need to go back to like basic psychology about like these people's hierarchy of needs. You know, mm -hmm. why, why am I going to spend time abstracting about voting whenever I need to work a job to feed myself? 
mm. and barely right. feed myself. I mean, and maybe that's the dilemma that we're in is, you know, the process by which we solve the problem <laughs> is yeah. overshadowed by mm -hmm. the problem that we're having. Uh, Maslow's so, hierarchy yeah, of I, needs. Yeah, it, it's a good way. I don't mean to interrupt, uh, Andre, but... No, go. Yeah. Ah, thank you. Well, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a good way to evaluate this, but at the same time, uh, you, in that, you know, we don't have the same ability to uh, buy property and have a kid at 22 like our uh, grandparents were. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. I think in most ways we're still doing much better than uh, than our grandparents were doing in, in a lot of ways. And, and I think I think what we have now when the circumstances that we're in presently is more just of a general voter apathy due to the general dysfunction of the system we see before us, whether it be the kleptocracy that we're currently working with or everything else. And I think really all it comes down to is not so much so talking about like we need to fix this so that this can work as much as we just need to fix this. That is to say the political apathy. And the best thing you can do, uh, I can't help but think of um, something that was done during the uh, 18th century when, um, when uh, this is going to sound kind of like a farce because it is, but uh, Napoleon, when he swept through like Italy and that sort of thing, leading the army of Italy, that is to say the French army in Italy, conquering his way and just invading his way through places like, uh, uh, like Florence and Milan and all those sorts of things. He established uh, liberal democratic uh, parties. Like he created clubs where people would come together to discuss liberal democracy. He created systems where people be could become engaged with the political system in those countries or in those places. And he did the same thing when he like swept through like uh, Spain and all other directions. He created uh, political systems from which people could start engaging with the political system. And all of this to say is the only way that this sort of thing can change is if you yourself, like like listener, whoever's listening to this, as well as uh, the, the four of us, go out there and start talking about it and start talking about politics and start talking about engagement. And not so much so like you need to Which vote for my candidate. Right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what we need to do is uh, all of us need to find ways to get our family and our friends more engaged with the political system. And only that's going to start to see the fixing of the system at large. That's, that's really the solution here. It's, it's not it's to go out there and, and start talking about the important, the, the incredibly necessary uh, voting uh, process here in the United States, whether it be for something like the primaries or midterm elections, or most importantly, without a doubt, most importantly, your local elections, the things that are happening around you that you most certainly have control over, especially if you say and do what I'm currently telling you now. If you go out there and you get engaged with the people that live around you, your neighbors, you know, you don't just talk to people that are seven states away, but you get to learn people's names. You can make serious actual change in your local system around you. You could make life better for yourself. You can do all of these things. You just people, need to be engaged. People realize, people realize the exact amount of power they actually have over their like local jurisdiction. If you mm -hmm. just show up to like city council meetings and like make good points, they have to vote on them. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely right. And the same thing could be happen. Uh, the same thing is true for the school system and and just everything that involves the local county that you live in, the local area that you're currently reside in. Get to learn some names, you know, and start to become a facet so, so look, of your look, look, small, I, smaller I society. To, I hate to bring it up this way, once again, mm. but the the fact is, the fact is, if I go, me, Steve, you know, a teacher and everything, if I go to a local municipality type of thing, 
to the school board to to talk to these people, I am not about to be taken seriously. Mm. I mean, like, Why you know, specifically? We, we really, we really, really, really need to talk about this sort of thing. Um, in certain geographies in this country, we we still have a lot of people who are just racist, mm. who are who mm. are just homophobic, who are just whatever. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm certainly, certainly, you're absolutely, Stephen, you're one hundred percent correct. And if I were in your shoes, and I have been before, all I would say is uh, the thing I would say is, is you go out there, you find your friends, your loved ones, those sorts of people, and you see oh, if they'll sure. take that doesn't your hand. Stop with me you. from speaking. Certainly, no, like, no. Like, well, that's a fact. Certainly. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully the listener understands that like this should empower you to speak, not to be silent. Certainly, certainly. So, so what I would say is, hand in hand. Uh, form your own subset of, of the political of your local political system. Go in with four or five friends and sit together and support each other and love each other and make stories together. Something really worthwhile. Yep. Get a matching T-shirt. That sort of thing. Walk in together yep. and talk about the things that are worthwhile. And if everyone shuns you, and if you were to walk up to that, uh, that uh, podium and say something that means something to you, uh, have your friends there to support you. And even if they're not there, just know. Yep that states away i i also support you and there is somebody out <laughs> yeah, there that agrees go. with there your you opinion go. right <laughs> well you know so like people do like exist people together right? trevor you're, you're, trevor you're 100 percent correct all right and and i've already i've already like started down this road gladly mm. like you know i've got a good friend who you know will look at me and say why why are you why are you doing anything at all with these like these uh, Northeast Louisiana pride people, like they're mm-hmm. simply not your kind of people, mm-hmm. and th- they're not. They're really not. I mean, like making a culture about uh, about like being gay or whatever, I don't think is a good idea. Mm. But at the same time, Trevor's exactly right. You know, we we have to we have to form a line. We have to say to these you know these kind of people, it's this far and no further. Mm-hmm. I, you know. Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely yeah. right. And continue talking. No, and get very Trevor, good at talking. Uh, please. No, yeah, I was just going to say to your credit, you know, I, as somebody who has done exactly those things, I have has organized um, on a local regional level and then moved on to organize at a state level and then even moved on to dabble in national organizing, um, particularly with college students. Uh, all over the country, it's first of all incredibly rewarding, not only by the people that you meet and the things that you accomplish, but it's it's enriching, um, and it also gives you a grand sense of hope for the things that you aspire to achieve. Uh, I, I never felt more powerful than to be surrounded by the leaders of other organizations just like mine all across the country, meeting you know in person somewhere. And talking about, you know, what was going on, um, what was going to happen next. Uh, so, so similar to what we spoke about in the last episode, you know, I, I mentioned that if if you really care about the well-being of other people, you know, admit yourself to a scientific practice. But at the same time, uh, that goes hand in hand with become active in public well, discourse. Not even a, a scientific practice. I mean, just in. in- enter any humanitarian effort at all, no matter how small or large. 
Right. What I what I meant by that was not particularly scientific in the sense of like a STEM field, but practicing sort of rigorous um, reason, even, um, you know, employing sort of scientific thinking. Uh, you could you can do that even like me, like I'm not in a STEM field. My career is no longer STEM, but I but I exude sort of the qualities of being a good scientific mind and being a skeptic yeah, or in, other, a in other words person. become educated uh, exactly and, and, and i tell I my know, students that all the time the same thing you know like education is power and we need to treat it that way yeah now this is the one thing that tr it, this is probably the biggest issue that i see right now uh i've already begun to face it um for years now and i think is really <laughs> I don't feel like I'm making a big deal out of this or I'm not blowing it out of proportion. Maybe I could be, but it feels like now we've hit this wall uh, or at least an incredible resistance where you can be as scientifically minded, as reasonable, um, as it's clear cut and uh, explained in your reasoning. The data is there. The The sources you have constructed an argument that is impeccable. However, the other side can just go, nah, -uh, or I don't believe you, or yeah. that's not yeah. true. Well, well and they yeah. certainly, and suddenly, and suddenly it's, it's as if you're on equal ground. Mm -hmm. So like observationally. Certainly. So, so there are some people that are going to tell you, like you're going to give them a very concise, precise argument. Uh, right. They're going to give you a really precise, you're going to give them a really precise argument for this, this, and that, to which they're just going to say, eh, Alzheimer's disease, it's caused by aluminum in the air, you know? <laughs> Somebody's going to say yeah. some shit like that. They're going to say some off-the-cuff right, yep. shit that makes no sense. They're going to trot around. That's right, the comments. That's, it's one... <laughs> yeah, somebody's <laughs> going to say some crazy shit like that. That's just how it's going to go. And that's, here's what's really weird about that. And this is why living in a democracy and not, uh, is so great. You don't have to convince an autocrat of something, some off-the-cuff weird guy in Yugoslavia who's the dictator, you know, he's going to do this. You don't have to convince that person of anything, this particular asshole. You don't have to convince him of anything. You just need to go find some like-minded people and some that are nearby so you can make some local change in your area. And if you can't convince somebody Literally on the internet— chips together. Chimp, yeah. Chimps together. I hope that's what you actually <laughs> said. But I heard that it's chimps <laughs> together, and I completely agree. That's what you said. Uh, so, so yes, you need to go find some people that are like-minded, come together, discuss some things, and, and keep pairing together and aggregate into an overall uh, supermajority of people that can make some political change in the system around you. You're perfectly capable I mean, of doing it. Uh, listener, you're perfectly capable of doing it. If you want to make change uh, around you, you're perfectly capable of doing it. Now, I know it sounds strange, but it just starts with talking to one person. For sure. And then, and then next and, time, uh, you talk to two, and then three, and then start a community, whether it be on the internet or, or just meeting sure. in your local area. Because mm -hmm. this all comes down I'll to the you, local. So, Trevor, like, like here's, here's the deal. Even though I say right now there's no way an atheist could win mm -hmm. uh, any kind of big office, and they can't, uh, in my lifetime, almost certainly we will see the first uh, atheist president or Big atheist whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it's coming, and there's nothing that anyone can do about it. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the day when we have someone in office of any kind, doesn't have to be the president's office, who's willing to say, oh, I actually 
you know, know how to interpret this data. Or at least mm-hmm. I know people who do, uh, mm-hmm. you know? It's coming. Right. A there's there's really got to be a re- coming. Yeah. There's got to be a reintroduction of respect to the scientific practice. And there has to be. This is absurd. Respect for reason. Mm-hmm. Tanner? Oh, I was going to make a point on something stated earlier. Um, I mean, if you really want to know how powerful a small group that's very verbal can be, look at the uh, the passage of a prohibition in the, I believe, 20s. Right. Um, tiny, tiny minority screaming loud enough to convince yep. politicians to act against alcohol in a well, nation whose gross GDP was like <laughs> 30% liquor. We're in the better times. Yes, we are. <laughs> Interesting lull there. But I support liberal. I I just support liberal democratic action wherever you find it. And by that, I don't mean the libs. You know, I mean just the active democratic processes wherever they take us. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what's going to come. And I'm telling you, and it's really strange when you realize that uh, throughout the 20th century, since like the 1890s, uh, if you were to poll Americans, Americans by and by would tell you that they think that it is worse today than it was when they were younger. Like America is going downhill. And that happened throughout the 20th century. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And that's, that's, that was true from the 1890s all the way up to today. Americans, this is like almost the American sensibility. You have to almost wonder, like, what if the reason why it got so great is because everyone thought it's shit and they have to work on it, you know? It's like this night, it's almost like we see the fire <laughs> underneath our asses. So that's why we run so hard. Americans are extremely hardworking. They are. They work really fucking hard. Just look around. You know, we have this, look at us today. And this is true, Stephen, this is incredibly true for you. Tanner, this is true for you. Brayden, I know it's true for you. You have this sentiment of, I need to run as fast as I can just to stay in the same place. That's, that's a sentiment that all of us have. All four of us have this sentiment. And a lot of listeners do too. We have this feeling inside of us. <laughs> Why do you think we'll go off and do such great things? It's this attitude. We have this sentiment underneath us. That's like a boiling hot, fire water that's going to make a shootout like a the, cannon the word for it is stars. called conscientiousness we're we're extremely conscientious and we're extremely tenacious and we're we're ex- in a lot of ways we're tired because this is hard the sentiment that we currently have oh god the sentiment aware. is extremely challenging <laughs> but nevertheless oh god we're aware. but nevertheless we're gonna do yeah. some great things i am certain of it it's, and that applies to more people than have ever been before that applies to not only the four of us, but also uh, people that aren't uh, the people of many ethnicities mm-hmm. and, and, and sexualities and, and, and gender and all of these things. It, 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 it's, it's new and it's changing and it's different and it's, and it's, and it's getting better all the time. It, it's, it's, I, I, do, I am an optimist in this way. I do think things will be getting better. And I think it's because we think things I are going to so. get worse that things are in mm-hmm. fact going to get better. I hope so. Well, it's, I mean, it's our nihilistic look, that just attitude. Like, it's our pessimism that makes that, just that makes like, me so optimistic. What, what it's the watchman do? problem. What what do what do <laughs> what? I do? What you pass the social security? Oh God! Yes. Well, uh, mm. yeah. But I think we whenever off. we actually post this episode, we're gonna have to give it the political episode or something like the like the getting involved or I don't know. 
I think this became a yeah. politics episode. It did immediately. I want for you that. to go out and organize with your peers and vote. Yeah, we got to get like, uh, like, hey, I need you to vote. You know, you, that's what it listener is. Listener at home, Jeff Stevens, former union. It's time. It's time. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of unions here in California. It's a big deal. It's a damn big deal. You should see it. Yeah, it's a union state. Damn. Sure. Most certainly it is. But we should send off uh, from Tanner, I think. Yes. I think we do. Indeed. I think it's about time. Um, all of you, uh, dear listener, I'm going to start saying that because I love the way Stephen says it, are beautiful. Uh, the same with our speakers here today. Uh, you wouldn't believe how beautiful you are. I can see it. All that kind of stuff. And Tanner, feel free to not exit me out because I think that that's good enough. Uh, I'm trying to think of some, some somewhat intelligent parting words for this Sweet. episode. Say something intelligent. <laughs> Quick. If you if you've gleaned anything from from listening to to us just go off for a little while, mm. it's that you should be politically involved, no matter your political beliefs. If you want something done, these things have to start with, you know, you or joining something already in motion, you know, become politically active, join a humanitarian effort. If you want to see change, you have to be that that prime mover for those things. Everything starts with us. I mean, this is a nation of the people, for the people, by the people, to quote, you know, number 16, a blank. It has to start with you. The state is a, well, the state should be a service to you. But if you wanted to do things that benefit you, you have to be active. You have to be putting in that effort to ensure you get that same effort. If you want to see something that you want, you have to, you know, fight for it. It's just majority rule. That's how, you know, our great republic tends to work. Good stuff. Good stuff. Ray, any final oh, words? Ray, yeah, you got an exit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's never been a better time to get involved and get active. And there's never a better time uh, at any point in your life to recognize the immense power that you have as a constituent, as a voting individual, and as a member of these United States. I'm telling you what, and this is this is going off of my pre-prepared speech that I came up with in the 15 seconds before I started talking. Uh, there, you know, people people don't read as much as they used to. This is just a given fact. Uh, but I tell you, one thing that will get you fired up more than anything else is reading uh, literature by the authors of of America, or by Read really inf- really influential people who have helped craft where we are today over the last you know what three hundred years. Um, and you realize that these people were just like us. You know, they were sitting around like, man, this shit sucks. Let's do something about it. And uh, they were really organized. And uh, they got together and made one of the most incredible things in the history of the planet happen. Uh, and that's, that that power still exists today, if not even more, you know, widely available because of the world that we've crafted you know we started off like man these boomers and then we got to a point where we're like well things aren't as bad as they have been we have the benefit of hindsight but they can still get better too uh and that starts with you and your friends and your family and all the people that live next to you 
So yeah, this I encourage everybody was to go out there. Built by highly motivated twenty-something-year-olds. Remember that. So that's my piece, Stephen. Good stuff. Well, uh, I'll keep it brief. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like this, you know. If you don't vote, if you don't get active, you can't complain. All right. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Live long and be reasonable. Yeah, seriously. Long. <laughs> cool. And with that, I believe this ends this episode of the Four Mortal Coils uh, podcast. As always, um, please join the Discord. Leave any comments you want on any of our media. We do read the comments, and we appreciate any interaction because we mm. we frankly love all of you. We crave your we will judge you for your comment. No. Yeah. Be excellent to each other. Yes. That, that's it. <laughs>